From the Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana, this is Getting Ethics to Work, the podcast that tackles the trickier moral dilemmas that you might face in the workplace. I'm your host and Prindle Institute director, Andy Cullison, and with me is our producer, Kate Berry. Hello. For each episode of Getting Ethics to Work, we discuss a case or issue and unpack the difficult and often hidden ethical tensions that can make it hard to get along with others at work. And by the way, case is just an ethicist word for story. Now, before we get started, I want to remind everyone that we are not lawyers and are not offering legal expertise, but as an ethicist, I can help you feel better about being such a disappointment. And if you like what you've been hearing and want to help us out, the best thing you can do is recommend the show to a friend or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I hope you'll consider doing that. So, Kate, what's the case today? Well, Rita has a great manager, Joyce. Joyce has created a healthy and supportive team environment, helped Rita with professional development, and has gone to bat twice to get Rita raises. But Rita is considering taking a job with another company in another state because it offers more money, possibilities for advancement, and opportunities for her partner. Joyce promises Rita that she will be promoted soon, but it isn't really up to Joyce, and Joyce's boss moves slowly or not at all on these kinds of things. Rita knows not to hold her breath. It seems clear that she should take this new job, but she feels like she'd be betraying Joyce, who's done so much to help her over the years. Joyce will have to train someone new, and it might mean that a big project suffers. Joyce has already told her she'll be really disappointed if she leaves. Rita wonders to what degree she owes loyalty to her company or to Joyce. So I do think there's this interesting thing in corporate culture that has to do with loyalty, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem like in some places it's enough that you like your job or you have a job there, or you're happy with your job, but you're also loyal to your company, which seems like something so much more than just that is where I work. In general, loyalty is just a an odd sort of uh, virtue that sort of, it's like a, a demand for fealty in some way. And I think it can be kind of weird for people to think that a company could demand that of you. But then again, there's people who are in Rita's position, like, you know, someone like Joyce has really been there, been to bat for me. I think they do sometimes kind of feel that tug of loyalty. And I think it's I think it's really hard to decide, you know, when, if at all, should we take seriously the idea that we should be loyal to to a company or or a person in a company? That's a really tough question. Yeah. So should we start at the beginning? I think I remember loyalty is one of those like high virtues, like Aristotle's virtues. So there's a long history in philosophy talking about this kind of virtue of of loyalty. Um, that's the other reason I'm excited about this, because I, I think we can kind of do a little bit of a dive into some background on the virtues and how what some philosophers have said about these things. I think we might be able to shed a little bit of light on what someone in Rita's position might think. Uh, so if we could sort of unpack all this for someone like Rita to consider, and then it would make it easier for someone in Rita's position to answer that question, like, do I have some kind of duty of loyalty to my company or someone I work for? Okay, well, that sounds good to me. So let's get to work. I suppose uh, we should start by just getting a kind of candidate definition of what it is to be a virtue on the table, because that'll sort of help us unpack what someone might think about loyalties. So the, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy entry on virtue ethics, the author defines a virtue as an excellent trait of character, calls it a disposition well entrenched in its possessor, something that, as we say, goes all the way down 
unlike a habit, such as being a tea drinker, to notice, expect, value, feel, desire, choose, act, and react in certain characteristic ways. So to possess a virtue is to be a certain sort of person with a certain complex mindset. And then the idea that some virtue ethicists say is that loyalty is like that, or, or they, they question, is loyalty, should it be something like that? So to question whether or not loyalty is a virtue, and there's debate about this, whether or not it's a good thing or not. Yeah, I'm interested that there is any debate about that. It seems like it's always included with like generosity, uh, honesty, that it seems like it's one of those. So what's the what's the question there? If it's good to be doing, you should do it anyway. And if it's not good to be doing, uh, loyalty doesn't seem like it's much of a virtue at all. Another thing that makes people concerned about the idea of loyalty even being a virtue is that it, it seems to ask that you suspend good judgment loyalty could run counter to some of the other virtues, right? So it seems like, so some people think maybe we shouldn't count it among the virtues. Yeah. If your friend was asking you to murder someone, with an extreme example, being loyal to a friend does not go so far as to say you've got to stick by them no matter what, even when they've like gone dark and have started asking you to do really bad things. That's not a demand of loyalty, if loyalty is a virtue. I remember in our Friendships at Work episode that we talked about the virtues and especially, uh, it was Aristotle's idea of how friendships work, right? That they're supposed to make you better people, that like you and your friend work to make yourself better and better. And loyalty in this case would not be working in that way and so would not belong to those that set of virtues. That's, yeah, that's the idea. And you should always be loyal to these good ideals. But when the people in charge aren't doing good, you're no longer obligated to be loyal. Uh, that, that's sort of the idea. So how do we take all these things that we've discussed about loyalty and start applying them to Rita's case and try to figure out what she should do? What's going on in Rita's case is she's wondering, has the company done something for me to a degree that I am, I've suddenly incurred some kind of duty to be to be loyal. I think that's what someone like Rita is worried about. And so I think it's interesting to think under what conditions would an organization do something for you that would make you feel loyal and we'd agree like, yeah, maybe you do. Maybe you do have a duty to be loyal. And I think if we throw out some of those examples, I think we can then compare those to anything going on in Rita's case and see if there's similarities or disanalogies. So I'll tell my own story. I feel some kind of felt obligation to DePaul University because I was a rector scholar here. The rector scholarship is DePaul's most generous scholarship. And if I hadn't received that, there is no way my family could have afforded to send me to DePaul without me having to take out loans or something like that. And I really valued my time here. I think it prepared me very well for my career. And so, you know, I, I feel like a some kind of sense that I should look out for DePaul's interest or something like that. And that comes because they did so much for you, right? Where we feel pulled to, to be loyal to an organization, it has to do with something like a sense of deep gratitude that we have 
for some significant good that they're doing. And so we kind of feel like uh, we need to pay it back. And one way to pay it back is to align yourself with the interests of that organization. And that's where the loyalty comes in. You can, you can pay back an organization by being loyal, you know, making their interests your own. So does that apply to a company that you work for? That's the good question, right? So if it seems like if if you do have obligations to be loyal to an organization, it probably has to do with some significant amount of good that they have done that you should be grateful for. So now going back to Rita's case, the question is, has the organization done some significant amount of good for Rita for which Rita should feel gratitude for. And I think it's a little harder in the case of an organization itself that's your employer to, to draw that out. But I mean, what, like, what, what do you think about that? Well, the company might say, well, we gave you a job. Times are tough. You work here. Um, we pay you money. You get your benefits. But those all seem to be what you get because you do labor. They don't give you the money out of their goodwill. That's right. That's right. It wasn't charity. They they put you to the grind for that money, right? And so it's very, very transactional. Additionally, in the case, it sounds like Rita actually has some problems with the company that her manager, Joyce, keeps saying, you're going to get this promotion, but the company is not moving forward with it. So in fact, the company is maybe not treating her that well. Yeah, it sounds like they're not. Like it's not Joyce's fault, but the company itself seems like maybe maybe no one's a bad actor in this, but there's a, it sounds like there's a systemic problem here. And so you certainly shouldn't feel like you owe loyalty to an organization that's got systemic issues that are causing you harm or holding you back, right? That's they're not doing you a whole lot of good. Right. So thinking about what could possibly trigger a duty of loyalty. And again, I'm not saying anything triggers a duty of loyalty. I'm just saying if anything triggers a duty of loyalty to an organization, it seems like it's got to be a massively one-sided benefit that they've done for you and you weren't being asked to do anything in return, right? And jobs aren't like that. Even if they give you a great benefit... They're they're getting something from you in return. You're 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 reciprocating with labor. Thinking about it like that should make someone in Rita's position not be too worried about the idea that she ought to be loyal to the company. Now that said, there could be circumstances where an organization bestows a good that's equivalent to the kinds of goods that a university or a charity might bestow, uh, where they, they offer you like real significant benefit, right? Providing benefits and other kinds of amenities that no other company is giving, and it's significantly improving your overall quality of life. I'm thinking of some kind of utopian company where like all the workers are part owners and they, you know... Where it, where it really kind of feels more like companies like to say we're a family, but like, you know, where it, where it really feels like you're a family, right? And, and then, again, I'm, I'm undecided on whether or not 
there are duties of loyalty. But if there were duties of loyalty to organizations, it would have to be in circumstances like that, where the benefit is really one-sided. In fact, Sherry uh, Mao, who's the chair of Asian Studies here at DePaul University, once spoke to a class I was teaching on leadership. And the, the idea behind the class was, you know, we're going to look at how different academic disciplines could inform our thinking about leadership. And the topic of her guest lecture was to talk about differences that she's observed in corporate culture in Japan, some companies in Japan, compared to some companies in the United States. And she also had the class read some passages from Confucius, where there was a lot of talk about the virtue of what's called filial piety. Most people often think of it as like respect for your elders. And, and Sherry Mao said something very interesting. She's like, actually, filial piety, the Confucian virtue, it's highly reciprocal. It's supposed to go both ways, right? So yes, you are supposed to respect your elders because they've, they've cared for you and whatnot. But elders are supposed to have a certain kind of respect for the young. And they have sort of like these duties to, to look after the young and help the young and counsel the young, right? So the idea is there's a loyalty component to this, right? But it's, it's a highly reciprocal relationship where both parts of the family, so to speak, are supposed to be doing things and exemplifying certain kinds of virtues for the other. And w- what she said is that some companies in Japan really do regard their employees as family. So the leadership of the company, they feel strongly obliged to really look after the interests of the family. There's no there's no throwing employees under the bus, that kind of stuff. It's like they they really do take this idea seriously. And you know, according to Professor Mao, the the idea of reciprocity is much more prominent in Eastern philosophy and it might explain some of our intuitions here, right? We're a company to really take on the attitude that we're a family and it's not just a kind of lip service thing that you might think that companies in this country are sort of doing when they say we're a family. You know, that's a context where you might think if loyalty is a thing, if if a company were genuinely taking this reciprocity notion seriously, then then maybe, maybe there would be duties of loyalty. And this might also explain why we sometimes can sort of trick ourselves into thinking we need to be loyal to a company. Because if a company really does play up the idea, oh, we're all a family here and we we look out for you and you look out for us. If they if they say those things, it can make the brain be like, oh, I'm getting, yeah, we are a family. Oh, and this is what families do. But if they're not living that out, right? If they're not If they're not actually behaving the way you would expect family members to behave, with one another, then they're, they're just paying lip service. It's not a genuinely reciprocal familial relationship. But our brains, I think, could trick us into thinking, oh, maybe I do have a duty of loyalty here. We are a family after all. Well, I was thinking about this idea of owing, especially considering how good Joyce has been to Rita. While Rita worked for Joyce, she probably did owe her some things. She probably owed really excellent work. She may be considering the number of things that Joyce has done for her. She might have owed, like, taking up some slack. Like, if someone was sick, maybe taking up someone's work or working a little bit of overtime to finish up a big project. But I'm not sure that that means that she owes to not advance in her career or not to move someplace where her partner would also have a better job. 
that that seems like disproportionate to what Joyce has given her. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point, right? I mean, there's probably to some extent that Rita has been very loyal to Joyce. I'm 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 just imagining she probably has put Joyce's interests first. And you know, there are things you could imagine Rita doing within the organization that would have been really messed up. Like if Joyce invested all this time in Rita and Rita decided to had the option of going and working with like a a different sales team because that sales team had meetings on like a Thursday instead of a Friday. And she thought she might get more half days on Friday that way or something. Right. You might think, Oh, come on. Like you, she spent so much time working for you and like, you just want to take off a little bit earlier on a different day. And so you, you take all that to some other team and, and you know, sometimes teams are even somewhat competitive with each other. Right. Right. So if she's like taken all their clients or something that could, I can see that seeming pretty disloyal to someone who's done quite a bit for you. Yeah. But when it comes to major life things, I think Rita could think that loyalty has has some limits here. I mean, if Joyce were to demand loyalty, she's she's not demanding that Rita forego insignificant, trivial things. She's asking Rita, as you said, to not advance in her career, right? This is a career she's passionate about. She has a particular vision of how she wants her life to go. And Joyce is saying, no, put all that on hold uh, for me. And, you know, you brought up the idea of the partner is an interesting one, right? Loyalties can sometimes conflict. I can expect my friends to be loyal to me in some way. But if they had to choose between being loyal to me and their life partner, I would without a doubt say, no, you, you're right. You, loyalties have kind of like hierarchies and, you know, loyalties to partners uh, trump loyalties to acquaintances or, you know, friend, you know, friends doing right by your family and the interests of your family you know, you have duty. If again, if there even are duties of loyalty, I, I keep I keep qualifying that. I do think there are some duties of loyalty, but I don't want to presuppose for the sake of this episode that there are. But if there were duties of loyalty, it, it seems pretty clear to me that making a decision to take another job, particularly when that's in the best interest of your partner as well, is something that could override any obligations of loyalty that one might have to Joyce, right? I mean, you could even imagine if 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 Rita were young, early career, no, no partner or family to speak of, and Joyce was like, look, I know this is tough, but management changes, right? <laughs> Every, you know, in a year, give me a year or two years to see if we can't work this out. And then if if I can't make it work, you you still have your entire career ahead of you, right? Maybe that's a case where I could get myself worked up to thinking, you know, no, just stick with them just a little bit. Stick with that mentor just a little bit longer. Like, hear them out. They've done you right so far. You're new to this. Trust them. Trust their judgment. Give them that year. Right. You know, I, I think the idea that if loyalty's owed, it, it, it depends a lot on the degree of the benefit. Like, how significant is the benefit? And the degree to which the company is willing to empower Joyce to do right by Rita, if that's if that's really what's going on in this case. And for a boss to demand loyalty, because look at all these things I've done for you, 
but the boss is not willing to change the system that's harming the people that work for her. That's not reciprocal. Yes, Joyce has done a lot of good things, but it's a big ask to ask someone to stick with you in a system that you're not willing to change. Or you're unable, but it still requires someone to just stay in a bad status quo. And, you know, in, in Rita and Joyce's case, again, if, if Joyce were saying things like, look, I know it's terrible, please just give me like six months. If I, if I can't change this in six months, I will walk over to that other company and insist that they hire you away from me, right? Like that kind of thing. But if it's a situation where things are bad, the company's not doing right by you and the supervisor's not helping you fix that, then I think you lose that reciprocity that's supposed to be part of that virtue of filial piety, right? Loyalty goes both ways. Yeah. Back to the original case, when it comes to thinking about leaving the job, loyalty can take different forms. As I said earlier, I've left two positions in which I felt there were people whom I owed enormous debts of gratitude, uh, and it felt like I was being disloyal. But the thing is, there are other ways to be loyal, right? Rita can continue the relationship with Joyce. That kind of networking might be important. Rita's in a place that has high promotion potential. Perhaps she'll be in a position to poach Joyce one day or or bring Joyce in as a consultant of sorts. Merely just being a sounding board, right? Joyce and Rita can now talk freely with each other and not worry about something turning into company gossip. So I, th- I think the important thing is that loyalty is broad in the sense that it's about all of the interests of the person you're loyal to and their overall well-being. And so while you might sometimes be in situations where you feel like you're going to do something that disappoints someone, it's not necessarily disloyal. The other things you do or don't do after that might also be determiners of, of whether you're you're loyal or not. And so there are a lot of ways in which we can be laser focused on the interests of people whom we think we need to be loyal to. And those times where we have to do something that's disappointing won't necessarily make it the case that we've been disloyal. It's everything that we do in the context of that relationship that is gonna determine whether you're genuinely loyal or not. Thanks so much for joining us as we try to get ethics to work. I'm Andy Cullison. And I'm Kate Barry. If you have a question about business ethics you'd like answered on the podcast, email me at katherineberry at pod.edu, and maybe we'll talk through your issue on the air. We hope you are staying safe and healthy. We also hope you can take some of what we discussed here and get it to work. If you want to learn more about what we talked about on the show today, check out our show notes page at prindleinstitute.org slash work. That's all one word, get ethics to work. Remember to subscribe to get new episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. But regardless of where you subscribe, please be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It is still the best place for us to meet new listeners. Getting Ethics to Work is hosted by the Janet Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. Our logo was created by Smallbox. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions and can be found online at www.sessions.blue. Our show was made possible with the generous support of DePaul alumni, friends of the Prindle Institute, and you, the listeners. Thank you for your support. The views expressed here are the opinions of the individual speakers alone. They do not represent the position of DePaul University or the Prindle Institute for Ethics. 